Hi, fun seekers. Welcome to another edition of the Christ is All podcast. In early July of 2015, I had the privilege to be the keynote speaker for the Urbana Christian Festival in Illinois. I delivered two keynote messages at the festival, and what you're about to hear in this podcast is an excerpt from the second message. I've entitled it, Changing the Calculus of the Culture War. I don't particularly like the term culture war, but I'm really talking about how Christians respond to the present culture in light of all the challenges connected to it. After you listen to the message, you may want to head over to my blog, frankviola.org forward slash narrative. That's frankviola.org forward slash narrative to read a lengthy article on the same subject. The reason why I'm giving you an excerpt of the message is because the rest of the talk was on a different subject, one that I've addressed in detail on this podcast in the past. So instead of repeating it, I'll just point you to where you can hear the entire message in three parts. If you go to frankviola.info forward slash podcast, you will see the archives of all previous episodes. Look for God's Favorite Place, part one, part two, part three, and you will hear the extended version of the rest of the talk that I shared, which follows the excerpt you're about to hear. We're going to take a commercial break. Opie dopey. <clears throat> and after the commercial, you will hear the excerpt of the second talk I delivered at the Urbana Christian Festival. Enjoy. When a group of pharmacists get together for the big game, they won't settle for any beer. I mean any beer. Hey, while you're off, you want to grab me another Demerol? He fell down. What's the score? He fell down. So... You want to get me one? What? Because pharmacists don't need to be slowed down with all that alcohol. They know they can get slowed down faster and easier without all those calories. So a couple of days before your next big get-together, see your doctor and your pharmacist. United Medical Foundation, Golden, Colorado. Some stations give you cars. Some stations give you cash. But this station isn't going to give you anything at all. Because this station is completely tapped out. That's right. No cars. No cash. No nothing at all. But we can still make you a winner. Just be the 10th caller when you hear this sound. And you'll be the 10th caller. Guaranteed. You'll be able to tell all your friends, hey, I was the 10th caller. Plus, you'll automatically be registered for the grand prize drive. That you had to be the 12th caller. Employees of this radio station and their families are not eligible to be caller number 10. They can, however, be callers 1 through 9 or 11 through 20. But state and federal laws prohibit them from being caller number 10. Be the 10th caller, and you'll be caller number 10. Keep listening for your chance to win. I was reading recently about the early Christians... And by early Christians, I mean the Christians in the second, third, and fourth century. And some of the things that they were called by their surrounding culture. Now, think about our time and think about what Christians are tagged with now, okay? I'll give you a couple starters. We're called bigots. We're called intolerant. We're called extremists. We're called morons idiots, Neanderthals, close-minded, so close-minded, our ears touch, judgmental, self-righteous. Okay, that's, that's just the beginning. 
The sad fact of the matter is that there have been Christians who have been all those things. And so it's easy for people in the world to point to those Christians and say, well, you're, you're one of those people, so you're just like they are. I think the perfect character of this kind of person, if you've seen Shawshank Redemption, you remember the warden, Warden Norton? That guy was a piece of work, wasn't he? I mean, he had ice water flowing in his veins, but he was a religious, Bible-quoting, mean-spirited, vicious, despicable Christian. And because you say you're a follower of Jesus, whether it's justified or, or not, you get lumped in with people like that. But I want to encourage you with something. Two things. One, Christians in the second, third, and fourth centuries were labeled by their surrounding culture to be notoriously depraved. The rumor about the Christians during that time were that they were incestuous cannibals. They were cannibals who committed and practiced incest. And incest is not best, even in that day. Why cannibals? Because they talked about eating the body of Jesus and drinking his blood. And that comes out of the Gospels, you know. So they got the rap that they were cannibals. Secondly, they were called incestuous, those who practiced incest, because they called each other brother and sister. And so the men married their sisters in Christ, and the women married their brothers in Christ, and they greeted one another with a holy kiss and so the rumor was they are practicing incest which in that day even though it was morally depraved the roman world of that day incest was not cool so i just want to put things in perspective i'd rather be called a bigot and intolerant <laughs> and extreme than incestuous cannibal amen and not only that but they were systematically exterminated by many of the Roman emperors in some of the most brutal, horrendous, horrific ways imaginable. Eaten by lions, tied to trees, burned alive. And yet, there's tremendous pressure today to sacrifice Jesus Christ on the altar of having favor with people in the world. And so let me remind you of that great cloud of witnesses that went before us in Hebrews 11 and since who were not willing to compromise the values of the Lord Jesus Christ on the one hand, but on the other, to follow their Lord in being what was labeled, and he was labeled this, the friend of sinners. See, there's tension in Jesus Christ. There's tension. On the one hand, he's the friend of sinners, and that got him in trouble with the religious people of his day. On the other hand, Hebrews says he's separate from sinners. He's distinct. He doesn't live like the world does. And that's why he said in John 15, don't be surprised if the world hates you because they hated me first. And if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. The servant is not greater than his master. And Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will, not might, 
will suffer persecution. But Peter turns around and says, if you're going to suffer as a Christian, let it be because you follow this world's true Lord. Don't let it be because you're a criminal or you're a jerk like Warden Norton. That's my interpretation of what he's saying. First Peter 4. And so I'm going to give you just a little bit of a window into how to respond, at least one way to respond to all of the pressure that happens around us. One is recognize, sisters and brothers, that if you're going to follow Jesus of Nazareth, there is going to be a cost. Not everybody in the world is going to like you. In fact, if you live godly in Christ, you are living counterculturally and you're going to catch flack for it, especially if you speak up about what you actually believe. That's going to happen. But there is a posture in Christ that we can learn from when he lived this earth. You know, he wasn't just blasting sin everywhere he went. He treated certain people differently based on their hearts. I mean, when it came to the Pharisees and the scribes, he backed the dump truck on them and emptied it. But when it came to the prostitutes, when it came to the tax collectors, when it came to a woman caught in adultery, when it came to a multi-divorcee who was living in sin, he was extremely compassionate, yet he didn't compromise. So what did he say to the woman caught in adultery? Neither do I condemn you, but go sin no more. What is that? That's condone not, condemn not. That's showing compassion without compromise. I'm going to repeat this. Condone not, condemn not. Show compassion without compromise. And I'm not suggesting that this is the posture you take with every person and every discussion, but I'll, I will say this, that that was the general attitude of Jesus Christ to people who were living in sin. Condone not, condemn not. And you know what that does? That opens up many people's hearts to be willing to talk to you about their struggle because if they see you as a condemning person then you are just a bigot intolerant extreme an idiot you have ice water flowing in your veins but if you accommodate the narrative of the world when it comes to all manner of sin which basically is anything goes except don't use certain words. If you accommodate because you want the favor of the world and you're afraid of losing a friend, you know what? People who are struggling in sin won't come to you because they, deep down, don't really respect you because you have just compromised. So there is a posture in Christ, and I'm not suggesting, I have to repeat this, this is not a one-size-fits-all you'll be in situations where the Lord will want you to speak a word of reproof. There'll be other situations where the Lord will want you to be totally silent. But his posture in general to the people in the world was condone not, condemn not, and reveal himself. And in Jude, there's this obscure passage in the book of Jude. You know, Jude is one chapter long, but it's in the King James. It says, to some, show mercy and compassion but to others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Those are two totally different approaches. To some, show mercy and compassion. 
to others save with fear, even pulling them out of the fire. And you see this in Jesus Christ. To some, I mean, some of his words are bone chilling. Even for Christians, you read it and you're, you know, you want to hide under the bed with a flashlight reading some of those passages in the Gospels. But other parts, especially the people who are in the world struggling with sin, deeply embedded in it, he was mercy and compassion, but he didn't condone. So I'm going to say it a third time. You can make a bumper sticker out of it if you want to. You don't have to charge me for royalties. You can steal it. Condone not, condemn not. Show compassion, but don't compromise. And that is costly, saints. Even if we didn't have the Warden Norton types who the world points to and says, oh yeah, that's you, you're just like that. Even if they didn't exist, the world still would not accept the values of Jesus Christ. They hated him. And he said it more than once. And he told us they would hate us too. That doesn't mean every person, but the system. Be a friend of the world is an enemy to God, James says. So there's, there's tension here. And I want to encourage you with that. All right, let me share what's on my heart here. And that was sort of an introduction.